Welcome everyone to another episode of the Dying Sports YouTube page and podcast network. Today we're going to be sitting down and talking all things basketball with founder and CEO of North Pole Hoops, Tarek Sibiet. We are going to be sort of unpacking how everything got started for them, where he's at in their journey right now, some of the cool stuff that he has in the works as well too, as he just launched one of his own ventures as well. And um, but also going to be talking sort of how they're coping during COVID and this pandemic and, you know, no access to facilities, there's restrictions on, you know, what you can and can't do on a basketball court, travel restrictions, all sorts of fun stuff. So um, definitely a huge, huge impact on their business and uh, kind of cool to see some of the things that they have been doing in order to keep busy and keep uh, relevant during these times where they can't actually physically get out there on a court and run some of the stuff that they're used to uh, doing. But uh, North Pole Hoops, for those who may not have heard of them, they are a massive, massive player on the Canadian basketball landscape. They've got everything from scouting to circuits and exposure camps, mixtapes, media, everything that goes into essentially running, um, you know, a high, high level basketball and marketing some of the athletes within it. They've, they've got that ability to do so and have been doing so for many, many years now. They were actually named one of the top uh, top 10, I believe, um, companies and uh, people to watch on in Canadian basketball by Sportsnet not uh, too long ago. So definitely a, a huge honor there, just sort of a testament to the growth that they have had within the last decade. So not only them that they've been growing, but uh, just the sport of basketball in general in Canada, it's definitely become one of the fastest growing sports and, you know, the Raptors championship and all the success that uh, some of the Canadian NBA players have been having and international success and just sort of the pipeline that has been built for Div 1 players and university players and JUCO and all of that uh, has definitely had a huge, huge impact on the sport. So we talk all of that and more. So uh, lots to lots to digest there. Hope you guys enjoy. Without further ado, let's sit down with Tarek. All right. And joining me today from North Pole Hoops, we've got Tarek Sibiet. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. How are things in your neck of the woods there? What's uh, what's day-to-day -day life like at uh, North Pole Hoops headquarters? Right from the jump, a eh? loaded question right there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, it's been good in a sense of that it's, it's, it's been really busy. Um, obviously, since with, with COVID uh, hitting in you know, about March, it changed a lot of things with the operation and the organization. Uh, probably the, from a North Pole Hoops standpoint, the biggest thing, as well as MPA, is all the events are on pause yeah. um, you know, camps tournaments leagues um, are all on pause and so you know kind of you know implemented a mindset within our team and within our cult company culture that you know we're we got to prepare for the worst as if basketball is never coming back which obviously is not the case but um, you know so with that said you know we got to be able to be more diverse digitally um, yeah. And luckily and fortunately for our company is our, our company was built on digital. It was built on social media without, you know, Instagram and Twitter and social media in general, our company would not exist. So uh, we're just basically doubling down on that aspect um, and being able to um, train and develop our other uh, teammates to get to a level where we can, you know, expand. Uh, that's kind of where we're at now. And, and we're fortunate, you know, I was able to launch a consultation business. Um, and brand uh, with TS um, and that's been been really good to kind of you know explore uh, things for, for myself personally outside of basketball as well as you know 
still stay involved is obviously a passion of mine, but just explore other passions uh, essentially as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, anyone who's involved in the Canadian basketball landscape there is well versed with North Pole hoops and this type of things that you do. But if there was someone who was listening right now who had never heard of North Pole hoops or isn't familiar with the stuff that you guys have going on there, what, what's sort of the Coles Notes version of NPH in a nutshell? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's really evolved over the years of how I explain it and to who I explain it. But you know, I, I said it to, to one of my one of my staff members yesterday, you know, it's a growth platform. You know, when you come into North Pole Hoops, whether you're uh, into our, come into our ecosystem, whether you're a coach, a player, a media member, uh, you know, a, a, a striving, you know, marketer, uh, event manager, you know, you can come into North Pole Hoops and expect that to have growth potential as long as you put the work in. And so it, it kind of transcends basketball in a lot of ways, but specifically on a basketball level, like if you're a player from 10 years old all the way to the NBA, we help you get there, we give you the plan to get there. Uh, we, we provide the platforms for you to get there, whether it be exposure camps, tournaments, leagues. Um, we just want to be able to support the dreams of these kids and of the, just and then beyond the players, just the ta- talent that we have uh, in our country. And it's, it's, we have an amazing amount of talent coast to coast. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And definitely lately, we're starting to see the fruits of those, uh, you know, exposure camps and, you know, opportunities there with some of the uh, NBA players having the postseasons that they are there too. So has it been kind of cool to follow, you know, Jamal Murray and, and some of the boys there with uh, with their runs that they've been on? Yeah, we actually did, a, did an interview with National Post the other day about Jamal Murray. So they were asking me about, you know, his up, upbringing as far as, you know, what makes him different. And I told them that it's his mind. It's not his... Uh, you know, body, physicals, you know, obviously he's, he's a good athlete and he's skilled, but it's his mind that distinguishes him from everybody in the NBA. Um, and we talked about meditate, how he was meditating when, you know, he, he actually start, helped me start with his father, Roger, on that kind of meditation journey and the mental mindfulness and developing your mindset. Uh, and, you know, at the time he was in high school, obviously, and I was I'm a couple of years older than him, at least a couple of years older than him. So, he was way more mature than I was um, at at his age. So I took a lot out of that whole journey and experience and uh, to see him doing what he's doing at the NBA level. It's, it's special, man, because we, we, we've been to all the NBA drafts, whether it was Wiggins or Stauskas, like I was there in New York, Elias was there in New York and we saw these kids get drafted. And every time it feels like we got drafted, you know, because just being a part of the journey and just like you celebrate their success. Right. And, uh, you know, so we're just fortunate, man, to be to be involved the way we are with these with these players and their futures, and you know, and and seeing it like it's nonstop. You know, we have another wave coming. You know, and it's more exciting than the last. So, it's uh, it's pretty cool, uh, definitely, to see it all uh, all come to fruition. For sure, for sure. So, I mean, if we take it back to the beginning here, you know, both you and your brother have been heavily involved in basketball, you know, long before you started NPH and any of your ventures there. At what point, you know, did you guys sort of have the the conversation as far as, okay, this is more than just a pastime and a passion for us. There's a viable business opportunity here. Do you remember sort of a moment that stands out where you guys decided like, we're going to make a go of this and try and get it off the ground? Right, right, right from the beginning, you know, like, so I, prior to, you know, running a business, you know, you know, I was a guy that was coming in in elementary school with like marbles, no more. I come like with nothing and kind of, 
leave with everything, you know, like whether it's marbles or pogs, you know, or, or whatnot, you know, come from a lower income kind of situation from our family background. We're second generation parents come from the Middle East first generation. So they weren't really in tune with uh, those aspects that like culturally uh, that the kids were, were in tune with, but I always found a way to make it happen. And, um, you know, uh, so when we launched, you know, Elias was, uh, he was uh, in teacher's college and I uh, asked him to jump on board and kind of like, let's live, let's go pursue the dream. Let's pursue the passion that is basketball. Um, and definitely we were in it to win it from day one. Like we weren't coming in for it to be a hobby. That's why we put our whole lives into it right from the beginning. And obviously a ton of sacrifice uh, all the way till this day goes into being, you know, an entrepreneur and it's not easy, but you know, to be able to wake up every morning and say, Hey, you know, we're, we're helping players. We're helping coaches. We're talking to D one guys, NBA guys, like being involved with basketball. It's, it's, I don't feel I'm ever working. You know, I try to, even refer to it as like, I don't use the word work. You know, I, I say we're making magic. You know what I mean? We're creating um, every single day. And so uh, it was to answer your question. It was, it was just right from the jump. We, we, we wanted to create uh, an opportunity, obviously like the, 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 the foundation of what we were doing was to help kids and to and still is to help people um, with exposure. That was the big thing, exposure opportunities. Um, but certainly we felt like, Hey, you know, we, you, we put the work in, you're, you're, you're going to eventually see the, uh, you know, uh, the, the financial gain, um, or the future, create a future, uh, within the sport. It was just tough because there was no precedent in Canada, you know, like we were creating our own lane, we're creating our own pathway and making mistakes, a ton of mistakes over, you know, 10 years plus, but that's how you learn though. So, you know, I, you don't regret any of it. You, you learn from it and you, and you keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Any of the millennials that are listening right now are going to be thinking, "What the heck are marbles and pogs?" And all that? <laughs> Good point. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, you know, so you, you kind of addressed it there, but right from the beginning, then, what was it? You know, when you were first starting out, was it kind of a side hustle thing, or were you guys all in from day one, quit all your jobs, put all your you know poker chips in the middle, and said, "Let's do this." Great question. Yeah. So, um, I my last quote unquote job was when I was 18. I was a, uh, a waiter at a shawarma restaurant. Um, and my brother, he was working construct. He was working multiple jobs to fund the operation so that I could travel, uh, out to uh, peach jam in Atlanta to Los Angeles and build the network for coach of coaches and these events. And so, he would be working construction and he was just transitioning from, uh, from school, from university, like basically moved on from, oh, you know what? I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm going to do this North Pole hoops. And so, but like by and large, like I would say a couple of years as it progressed, we just, we went all in, you know, and we just like a lot of it was a hundred percent after the initial, you know, financial investment that we needed to kind of, you know, cover certain expenses. We needed to then, okay, let's take the next step and, it needs more of our energy, right? If we're going to build it. And so, and it's tough, right? Because and I see it all the time with people now um, that come to me and, and I'm trying to help them out and trying to, you know, create, create a career path that it's like, you love the passion aspect, but try and, and then, but you need to pay the bills. And then sometimes a lot of people get stuck. Like, do I take the risk and then take out stability and then pursue the passion? Or do I just stay stable and not take the risk and just, you know, continue to pay the bill. So 
one way or another, you got to sacrifice, you know, and that's what we had to do is to sacrifice our, um, you know, our time and to be able to build it properly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we look back on it there, you guys sort of formally launched in, in 2011 here. So we're talking almost a decade ago now. Yeah. What, what have been some of the biggest changes or, you know, evolutions within your business that you've seen over, over that course of time, just between from when, where you first started to where you guys are now? Yeah. Um, every year, every year there's been an evolution um, because the market is evolving. Mm-hmm. And it's always about listening to the market. What do they want? What do they need? Uh, sometimes they might need this year, might not need something that they needed last year. Sometimes they need something different. So first it was strictly online on the website, writing articles, writing scouting reports. Then it became right after that, the exposure camps, which was a focal part of our business. That was the, for, for many years, probably eight of the 10 years, like the focal part of business. Now it's the smallest part of our business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it went from, you know, exposure camps to tournaments to leagues. But if you look at the progression to run a, to run an event exposure camp, that would probably be the least uh, team based aspect of it. But then you, when you're running a tournament, you know, now you're working with other parties, then you're running a league. Now you're like, so it's becoming a little bit more um, uh, collaborative effort with other organizations. And it's not easy when, you know, cause you're trying to get everyone to, to, to focus on the same vision on one vision. Um, and, and do it at a very high level. And that's one thing that we really take pride in is like, you know, we're not trying to do it at, you know, 50%, you know, we want to do it at the highest level possible. And in order to do that, you need the right partners and the right group to also be able to operate at, at the same level. Um, and be open to like, like holding each other accountable, you know, like, Hey, MPH, we messed up here. Let's, well, let's improve here. Let's, let's own that. Let's get better on the operation side or, or media side or marketing side, whatever the case may be. So, um, yeah. And, and so every year it's evolved till this day, obviously COVID hits yeah. pure evolution. You know what I mean? Like I could have easily like waved the white flag and company North folks would not exist anymore. It could have, I could have made that decision. It was like not happening, not, not on my watch, you know, like we're gonna, we're gonna push through it and we're going to evolve. And I'm fortunate enough to have been through some, and everyone has been through their struggles in life and, and depressions and stuff. And, you know, I just felt like what happened to me four years ago in that aspect really prepared me for that moment where I didn't even flinch when it happened. Like, I'll just say, okay, well, we've been here before. Let's just create some new stuff. Let's just create new things uh, because we've started from zero anyway. And so why not just build something new? And that's, that's what I did with the consultation side. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, lots of evolution and growth over the years, obviously, but, you know, looking ahead to next year, COVID aside, let's assume we get back to some sort of normalcy there. It, it'll be sort of your, your official 10-year anniversary. Do you have anything special planned to sort of celebrate that or any kind of new ventures you're planning on launching to mark sort of that success that you guys have had over the last 10 years? Yeah, so I think, like, I think uh, my math is, is not my strong suit, but I think last year was, like, officially year 10 because it was, like, so 2000, we went, we launched January of 2011, right? Right in the beginning of 2011. Yeah. So, you know, 2011, 12, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and 20, right? Yeah. January of 2020 would have been officially 10. So now we'd be going on to 11. But I think that the thing that I want to do with, with, the, with North Pole Hoops team, family, and just everyone, all the supporters, I want to definitely host like, a, like an event. We've never done it where it's like a banquet hall type of thing. 
where, you know, we can kind of get everybody in under one roof and just, you know, celebrate, you know, Canadian basketball. Cause that's like what, what we represent. And, you know, it's, it's beyond our internal team. It's our partners. It's our, you know, colleagues, it's our clients, you know, everybody in the basketball community that really cares. So about, about the game. So I, I, I want, I've always wanted to do that. The timing has, has always been off, but I think that that's, that would be the next kind of thing that I w- would love to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so keep an eye out for a basketball <laughs> version of the, the ESPYs essentially there. Yeah, that, exactly. Exactly. There you go. I like that. Nice. Nice. So, I, I mean, outside of just the, the NPH stuff and the exposure things that you guys are doing there, you guys also formed the National Preparatory Association a few years back there as well, too. So, I mean, we, you hear all the time about leagues and circuits and all that sort of springing up. But for you guys, you guys put a real emphasis on making it national from coast to coast there. What was the driving force behind, you know, focusing on a national platform as opposed to a regional or just a provincial one? There? Yeah. Um, well, from right from the jump, uh, it was always a national initiative for their camps. Like our first exposure camp ever was actually in Nova Scotia not in Ontario, uh, uh, funny enough, but it was always a national scope that we, that we wanted and we envisioned because we were, you know, we're out of Mississauga, Ontario, and we've, as players, we've watched players come up that were way better than us that never got opportunities. And like we never got the opportunity. We felt like, you know, now if we were playing basketball, we could. So it's, uh, it was always kind of a national uh, approach to it because there's talent all over the country. And like the game is growing all over the country. People love basketball. And we, I remember always, you know, growing up, British Columbia always had a couple seven footers every year for some reason. They had the height, you know. Nova Scotia had, you know, the guard. They didn't have the height, but they had the gritty guards. Quebec had just toughness, defense first minded, like grind out type of players. So every, every kind of region in the country had a personality just by watching like, you know, the national champions, like, like t- Team Quebec versus Team Ontario, you know, stuff like that. <clears throat> so th- th- we knew there was talent. It's just like, imagine if we invested time and energy into those areas as well as Ontario. Um, what could happen, right? And that's what it has been over the last 10 years. It's been an investment into Canadian basketball, traveling around the country. We didn't have to travel around the country. Like, it's definitely not like a, from a business, like pure now, like with the experience that I have now, like a, from a, and this is, I think, a good message for people to take in basketball. Like from a business dollars and cents standpoint, it's a terrible business to be in when it comes to like basketball and not just the Canadian basketball, but basketball in general in the beginning stages. And, and, and it's a marathon. It's an absolute marathon. And what I've learned and I've seen is most people do not stand the test of time. They do not have the stamina to stay long in the, in the race long enough to be able to see the return on investment. And, you know, it's been a 10 year investment. And we're, again, it will always be an investment for us because we're always trying to get to the next level uh, and for the game to get to the next level. So, you know, it, it's uh, that whole 10 years and coast to coast traveling, like we could have just kept it local, but like, it was like, imagine like we wouldn't see just Sean Henry. We wouldn't see, you know, Manru Claire and Jermaine Haley and a weird, a weird and a here and all these players, you know, that we've seen. Uh, Julian Roach from New Brunswick, you know, there's the list goes on forever, but it's, I was so excited and curious. I was like, let's like, we're going to go, we're about to go to Alberta. What are we going to find here? You know what I mean? What diamond in the rough are we going to see? And it was amazing because 
you know, when you go out there and you speak to the community and the clubs and, and the community, it's just like, it really inspires me to know that, hey, like, they just need some support. They really care about the game. They really care about their kids. They just need some type of, like, I guess, validation from the outside. To say, hey, you guys are on the right track or this is how we're doing it in Ontario or whatever the case may be. And, you know, when you actually see the kid is a six, 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 seven long athlete that's raw, but is has a great feel and has skill it's just like dang this guy this guy can make it to the nba with a little bit of support and infrastructure or even if it's not nba like get a scholarship you know what i mean help a kid change his life you know these guys a lot of these kids come from humble beginnings so um those are the things i would say that have driven us it's like you know it's it's not the financial game um it's not we don't go in it for you know we're coming in here to be millionaires like we're coming in here because we love basketball and let's build a business around basketball like that's that's the approach if for, and I, that's, that's my two cents to give anybody that's interested in like being a part of basketball for a lifetime, you know, you're going to have to, you have to grind it out for many, many, many years. Um, and, but love it. If you love it enough and you're passionate about it enough, you, you can, you can push through, you know what I mean? You just can't stop. That's, that's yeah. reality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's a pretty cool factor as well too, that you mentioned is that you have had the opportunity to go literally coast to coast, whether it's exposure camps or, you know, an NPA session in a different province or whatever. So you, you've been exposed to quite a few different, you know, provincial systems and pipelines of talent and all of that there. I mean, Toronto and Montreal always get their shine for sort of, you know, producing elite level basketball talent there. But have you come across any little pockets that have been sort of hotbeds of producing that those high end athletes over the years that maybe most people wouldn't necessarily think of in terms of, you know, producing NBA or Div 1 level talent there? Is there any any slept on cities that sort of stand out to you? Well, Quebec is a monster. Um, definitely. Uh, we've seen that and we've been saying that for 10 years. Uh, Alberta is coming very strong uh, with, the, with the talent pool in general. Uh, Nova Scotia is always respectable. Um, you know, and it's, there's talent everywhere, man. You know, it's a numbers game, obviously population. But, um, you know, Ottawa, obviously, you know, and I, I kind of look at Ottawa, obviously it's part of Ontario, but it's kind of like that, they got that chip on their shoulder in Ottawa. And each each community is evolving and maturing as they learn to work with the highest level of athlete. Like if you don't ever work with an NBA player, you don't have a precedent to to that. But if you have, it's like, oh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's out of Hamilton, um, you know, Jamal Murray, who's out of Kitchener. They have a precedent for what that player looked like at the high school level. So they can work off of that. And that's the same precedent that we have on all the Canadians in the NBA. Like we know what these guys looked at when they were, looked like when they were 14, 15, 16 years old and what they need. And so what we've seen, you spoke about the MPA, is that's an infrastructure. They need an infrastructure to be able to and support with that has like, we try to create it. So like all you have to do as a player is do your job, put the work in. Like not everything else is, we'll do our job. You know what I mean? The, the prep programs will do their job. The league will do its job. Just do your job as a player put the work in, get your education, make sure you get your, you say, you know, you, you do the courses that you need to do. And, and, and that's the pathway, you know, so that will work itself out if you put the work in. Yeah. And that's the way, and that's the way it should be. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, Canada, especially as a country seems to have really taken a step forward in terms of, you know, 
refining the process of getting the players from point A to point B and where they need to go over the last few years there. I mean, you ask a casual basketball fan, you know, name a Canadian NBA player, you know, pre this era, outside of Steve Nash, they're probably going to struggle. Right. Exactly. But now you, you got the Jamal Murray's, the SGA's, the Tristan Thompson's, the list goes on and on and on. So what, in your opinion, has sort of changed in the last, I don't know, five, maybe even 10 years that we've taken that next step forward? Is it the exposure? Is it just the refining the process or is it something completely different as far as getting them to their end goals and performing at the highest levels? Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's one specific thing. It's a combination of everything. And I think you know, again, using the, the, the reference points, when you see these NBA players, what do you think that's doing for the 10-year-old right now? For mm-hmm. the 18-year-old? What do you think the Raptors winning a championship has done for the country? So it's yeah. a combination of checkpoints that serve as inspiration because when we were traveling around the country eight, 10 years ago, we'd be in Saskatchewan, we'd be in BC, like they had no belief, in, forget NBA, that they could even be, you know, a next-level player. They didn't even know how good they were or how good they could be because no one would tell them that. And then that's where the exposure component comes in. And it, it's like a, it's like a double-edged sword because on one end we, we want to celebrate these kids and give them the respect that they deserve. And on the other side, we want to hold them accountable to say, Hey guys, like don't believe the hype, keep going. This is not, doesn't mean if you get ranked or if you uh, uh, get an article or you get a social media post that you've made it. This is just a sign to say you're on the right track and to keep going. And that's where we work with the basketball community to ensure that, hey, like, this is, this is the message as North Pole we're trying to send. But if you don't know what we're about, and we've seen this over the years, is, like, people in the community might be like, hey, oh, they're just, just a hype machine. No, it's not a hype machine. It's actually uh, giving, serving as inspiration. And also, the, like, if you're a club coach or if you're a rep coach uh, or a prep coach, like, it's a team effort. And we have to send the same message across the board of, putting the work in, you know, not taking shortcuts, you know, um, and, and, and pushing forward, taking care of business on, on, as, a, as a player. Yeah, yeah. Maybe looking at the flip side of the coin there, is there anything, whether it's as a country or just even provincially, that we still need to change or still need to improve in order to sort of, you know, streamline that method there? If you had a magic wand, it could change one thing on the Canadian basketball landscape. What, what would that be maybe? A uh, big one is uh, facilities, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of lot of roadblocks in the way with facilities um, beyond the financial. Obviously, the financial is a big one, but the there's a lot of uh, what's the right word to use is a, there's a lot of false narratives or stereotypes about basketball. Like you know, everyone wants to support the Raptors, but not everyone wants to support grassroots basketball. You know, um, and all you have to see is 3 million people walk, walking around the streets of Toronto, which is unprecedented in any sport, to know that basketball is here to stay forever. And so there's this, at the very high levels, executive levels and the, you know, ownership levels of, you know, real estate, you know, there's roadblocks there that are saying, like, there's this false, like, oh, basketball doesn't bring in money. You know, they, there's no rich return on investment there. That's an emotional uh, uh, approach, not a business approach. Well, first of all, there is. It's, it's a multi-billion uh, uh, dollar industry uh, globally. And 
Canada is the fastest growing sport. Uh, Canada, basketball is the fastest growing sport in Canada. And Canada owns the second most players in the NBA around the world outside of America. Mm-hmm. So put two and two together and realize, hey, guys, hockey can coexist with basketball. It's not one or the other. Like, let's cut the bullshit, okay? And let's, let's, get, let's, and let's keep the ball moving, for lack of a better term. But what it's ha- what's happening right now is there's people that are trailblazers that are breaking those doors, doors down. And they're business-minded people. And, you know, we're, we're breaking those doors down. We are breaking those doors down to ensure that there are facilities all over the country, more options, because uh, when it comes to, if you look at the States, there is a basketball complex with like eight, eight full courts, like all over the place, like in every neighborhood, it seems. Um, and so we need more facilities for our kids because especially right now through COVID, you know, um, you can't use schools anymore. That was the biggest thing, public schools, Catholic schools. You can't use the schools. We have to have our own private facilities and the private sector is emerging right now, which is exciting for basketball because the private sector needs to emerge in order for the game to get to that next level. Like I really, really appreciate the volunteer aspect of coaching and there's a need for it and there will always be a need for it but there's also a business component and those 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 two have to meet it's not one or the other um because you know and what makes Canada so great is that there are volunteers that the volunteers that care really care they're not looking for anything for, the, for themselves they're just trying to help the kids um but as you go up levels it's like this is a business and you know there's this ideology um uh, in Canada that it's wrong for a basketball to be a business. Now, if the business is bringing true value, it will live and it will succeed. If the business is, you know, a money grab, which it's a word, a term I've heard for years that North, they've referred to North Pole hoops as in some cases. Um, and I, I, I really like, uh, uh, I'm glad like we, we could have this conversation, like, cause it's a podcast. It's like, it's a great platform for it. Cause I can explain myself. Um, like, I get super offended by that. Right. Because like the investment that I was talking, 10 year investment that we put into this, where we're not making money, you know, we're just trying to build a business in basketball and they say it's a money grab, but are not putting that type of sweat equity into it. Like I get very offended by that. And then I try to communicate and educate like what it actually is. There is nothing wrong. And this is a clip I'm going to take. I'm going to take it out, (laughs) cut it out and put it out. There is nothing wrong with running uh, uh, a business in basketball the focus is provide value to people if people need you for a service or for if you're bringing value to people there is nothing wrong with running a business in basketball basketball is a multi-billion dollar industry but our philosophy at north pole hoops is number one you put the player or the people first second you put the game and the business will follow that's literally our philosophy we build because if you don't put the kids first and the game first and the people first, people aren't dumb. They're going to know. And then it will be a money grab. But mm-hmm. if you take care of those first two, the business will follow. The, the, the opportunities will follow because people will trust you and know that, Hey, you're not here to rip them off. You're here to support their dreams, which is what we have done and continue to do. Uh, you know, and so that's, I think uh, the business of basketball and the, the industry that is forming is the, the thing that once you go, once you, what you're going to see is post COVID um, over the next year, one, two years, you're going to see another boom 
you know, it's like, it works like momentum, right? So you get the Raptor, Raptor, boom, we got, we got a little momentum there. Then we went back a little bit, you know, with COVID. Then you're going to see another boom and it's going to be in the business of basketball facilities are going to allow for our players, our community to thrive, not in a way where it's like, it's going to happen because it's competitive nature in any industry and human nature. But I don't look at it. I don't try to compete externally. I like to compete internally, like try to be better than yesterday. Like, you know, there's going to be a lot of facilities that are going to come up. There's going to be a lot of clubs that are going to form. There's going to be a lot of prep teams that are going to form, but it's like focusing on what you do. There's enough for everybody to eat. You know what I mean? And that's my always has been my approach, but it's, um, it's, uh, it's, 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 you want to connect with people that are like-minded in that regard. They're not like looking at you as competition and, you know, you're fearful and, and, self-conscious about like their territory and stuff like that it can get really it gets really easy like that and i've noticed it across the country it's not like a toronto thing or a ottawa thing or a calgary thing it's a human nature thing i would say yeah yeah and, and you know i'm so glad you brought it up because that's that's the number one thing that i've been harping on for years and it's you know tends to fall on deaf ears it seems like to in terms of the decision makers is the lack of facilities and yeah you know, here in ottawa uh, I'm hoping at least that the, the one sort of takeaway from the, the policymakers that they can realize here is I hope that a couple of them had a son or a daughter that was in basketball and quickly realized that with the schools not renting space, 95% of all basketball courts in the city are now gone. Absolutely. Right? And, and it's going to take an, an investment in, in some infrastructure and all of that there too. So, you know, if there's a millionaire listening to this podcast that wants to open up, you know, Hoop Dome West there for us, uh, you know, hit us up and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get that going. But it, yeah. to me, that's the number one thing too, is get, get the facilities out there, get the resources out there, the talent will follow, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, you, you've also launched a new venture as well during this COVID as well. So you, you've launched your own consulting firm there. But tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it stemmed from the fact of, so I'm in the, I'm a basketball person. I'm passionate about basketball. I'm in the business of basketball. And I, wa I didn't want to be pigeonholed to being a, the basketball guy or North Pole Hoops guy. Just love North Pole Hoops, love basketball. But I wanted to show and prove that, hey, everything that I've done, if I can do it in basketball, which again is such a young industry and young market, imagine what I could do in another field, whether it be real estate, whether it be smart home technology, whether it be a charity. These are all things that I'm involved with. I'm an immigration company. You know, I'm involved with a lot of different companies. Um, and it's amazing to be able to jump in those sectors, build those relationships and, 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 and help their businesses grow. You know, I've done it for my company. I want to do it for other companies because I've been through the, the, the hurdles and, and the mistakes. I've made many mistakes that I've learned from and they've cost me a lot of money <laughs> over the years. And so if I can help entrepreneurs and if I can help um, companies uh, avoid those mistakes and support their, uh, their process and, and like really like clean their vision, like make sure they have a clear vision of what they want and kind of have a plan for it. Like that's, that's what I'm doing. So, um, and, and, you know, it's, if I laid it out on, on my social media page, like there's a, it, it, what does consultation mean? There's a lot, it offers a lot from leadership development to, you know, to digital marketing, to brand development, you know, all the way to culture building, you know, and every company I learned through going like since COVID started like four or five months, I've learned that every company is at obviously at a different time in their, in their 
you know, uh, tenure, but, um, and every company needs something different at different times. So it's allowed me to diversify, uh, and, and, and reach my full potential. You know, like I'm, I'm not like, and I've said this in many, for many years, like I'm not money driven, you know, money is the byproduct of what I do. Um, people like laugh at me or they say ABC, like I am impact driven, you know? So if I need to be challenged, right. And I need to, if I'm not challenged, I need to find something that's going to challenge me. So that was the kind of main reason that I wanted to diversify beyond just basketball. Now, don't get me wrong. We are consulting for many uh, uh, organizations in basketball, whether it be a club, whether it be a skill development company, well, we do a lot. And, and I think the biggest thing over the last five months was to develop my team, develop the people. I'm saying, uh, you know, leadership development is one of the things we offer. Uh, well, I've done, I've done it with my team where, you know, the demand was so high for, for when we want to help as many people as possible, but we needed to, the demand is high. We need to develop the supply. The supply is the people to execute the job. So teaching them, mentoring them, developing that to where they can, you know, you know, run an account to where they can, you know, provide the needs that we're, we're offering. And that was the, that was the biggest kind of challenge while damage control, trying to generate revenue to keep the company alive. Um, those, those were, that's kind of been my last four or five months. And again, it, I never, like I, I did a quick pivot and just go, you know, and you know, we're in a great spot, thankfully, like where we're kind of set up now where, uh, where now for us, I, okay, it's game time now. You know what I mean? Like the infrastructure is all set up on the consultation side. And again, if basketball doesn't ever come back, which is not likely at all, but uh, if it doesn't come back within a year, let's say, or six months, like, you know, we're all going to be okay. But obviously like as it comes back, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome because the development of the people, like they have to, like I, I, I challenged my team to diversify. Like, mm -hmm. Operations people jumping into digital marketing. Operations people jumping in the scouting department. You know, like uh, uh, video videographers jumping into the scouting department. You know, and it's still happening. It's like what I learned, uh, Kyle, is that like everybody reacts to this differently. You know, like there's a lot of fear mongering going on in the media, and that's what hurts. It hurts me to see because I have family and friends that are all affected. I'm trying to help by sharing some information that they don't have to like live in fear, mm -hmm. like live, live your life, you know, be careful and, and take the precaution, but live your life, find that balance because, you know, um, the, I've seen how different people react to the people that have stayed, you know, stayed composed and, and, and taken all the precautions and moved forward. I've promoted different people in my company in the last four or five months. They've evolved. They've got new opportunities because they kept moving. And I've noticed that some maybe haven't. It's still kind of trying to get over that hump. Again, everyone reacts differently, but all we can do is lead by example and show them that there's another way. And that's what I, I'm, I'm uh, passionate about doing is to show company uh, entrepreneurs. I talk to like business owners, executives, CEOs, whatever, on a regular basis. And like when I realized that like there were executives and CEOs like of of like multi-million dollar companies which are way way bigger than north pole hoops in terms of staff and everything um and i realized that like they needed my help <laughs> that's what i was like oh wow like i i thought they'd be okay you know considering but then obviously if you're running you know a seven figure eight figure company you you obviously have that's that uh, much higher uh responsibility so mm -hmm. that is that, that that's where the fear comes in and so it's just like 
mindset is what I try to, you know, share, share with people to share that growth mindset. Like everything's going to be all right. Like you just got to keep the ball moving and, and adjust. That's the key thing. Sorry. I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but <laughs> no, it's just stuff that's happening. You know? through, right. So what was this always sort of something that you had wanted to do, but just never had the time because of how involved you were with sort of North Pole hoops and the million and one things that were going on. And now that sports sort of came to a standstill, you finally had the opportunity to launch or was the plan always from the hop COVID or not that this summer, th th this was the plan to launch this consulting firm. That's a great question. What, what's interesting about that is um, I, I, before I, I brought on my first uh, con, uh, client uh, before COVID mm -hmm. uh, I started with, with a group, a really good group. And um, why I did that was because my team was like, holding things down with MPH. So I didn't, I'm still involved every day, hundred percent of my time is MPH and, and, and other projects, but I didn't have to be as hands-on because they, again, leadership development, they're able to, to take on the things that I used to do, you know? And so, uh, it, it was definitely not a part of the plan, but it was, uh, it basically COVID helped me press fast forward on it as in, and, and, and I mean, Hey, like the last 10 years made me who I am now. Mm -hmm. And so because those, I can't do this without those 10 years of experience. Yeah. And so definitely it was not even in my radar from a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, but it just lined up almost perfectly where, you know, I'm ready to do this because of like, COVID helped because it kind of slowed down the pace a little bit with the rest of the world, but I just kept moving. And so, yeah. And it's been, it's been pretty cool because it has helped our company diversify from a straight business standpoint, we go from four revenue streams to eight revenue streams. Now, not all eight revenue streams are active. Obviously the events are, are on pause till further notice, but when it's all back, that's what it's going to be really like cool to see the fruits of that's where we'll see the most fruits of our labor based on not like the financial, again, is the byproduct of the leadership of the different people on our team and their growth, the growth of the people. You can't grow a business if you can't grow people. You can't mm -hmm. develop a business if you can't develop people. And so that is what I learned working with different executives is like, they're at a certain point and it's like, they might be generating good money, making good money, whatever, um, annually, but you can't get to that next level alone. And I read, I got one of a, a good reader, a good watch, John Maxwell is one of my mentors. Um, I don't know him personally, but literally like my mentor, cause I had to learn right yeah. from people on YouTube. Yeah. And so John Maxwell, he said, he, he, I remember him saying like, you get to the mountaintop, right? And you're all alone. You haven't done anything. You just got, you've shown that you can lead yourself. So you get to that mountain, you're on that mountaintop, mountaintop. The next thing you do, you go back down and you bring everybody up with you. Mm -hmm. That's amazing to me because, you know, you got to go to the people that need your help. And so as I did it in my career, and I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to share that with the different um, companies I consult for they're always at that same, that same kind of checkpoint that they need to, or hump that need to get over where it's like, okay, you know, you can do it. It's not about you anymore. You know, you're a killer. You know, you're, you know, you can hit shots, hit that three ball all day, but you got to now play make, you got to be LeBron James. You get, you're not, not just, you know, a three point sniper. If you want your, you want to chase championships, you want to win a chip, you got to elevate others. So, and, and that's the thing about it is like literally, literally basketball and business and life are exactly the same to me exactly the same to me in terms of concepts and, 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 and just the way that it works when it comes to winning, winning period, like winning in life, winning a basketball game, winning a championship. Yeah.
No, amazing, amazing stuff. And uh, yeah, for, for those, we'll, we'll get to, you know, where people can reach you in a, in a second there. But for those that are listening right now, who, you know, do have questions and are curious about the journey, make sure you, uh, you, you reach out and connect there because yeah, you, you got a wealth of experience to share. So, but before we let you go here, you know, we're, we're going to get you to make a couple predictions for us here. So looking into your crystal ball here, who wins the NBA championship and who's the NBA finals MVP here? Oh man. <laughs> um, do you want my emotional take or do you want my logical take? <laughs> uh, let, let, let's put it, uh, if you had to actually bet your mortgage on it. Who, who, oh boy. Who Honestly, if I go with mortgage on it, um, I mean, you, how can you go against the Lakers? Um, yeah. You know, they are playing better and better by each series. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if LeBron, because in game seven, with, uh, or not game seven, the last game with Denver, game five, you've seen LeBron put up like big LeBron numbers. And you see him turning up for, the, for this final series. And, you know, I'm, he's a team first player, but he's going to elevate just by his competitive nature. He's going to elevate his performance where it'll be interesting whether he gets MVP or Anthony Davis gets MVP because Anthony Davis has been hooping the whole, the whole playoffs. Um, so I would say Lakers win it. This is my logical take Lakers win it in five or six, probably six. I'll give six, um, probably five. Again, we're just going logical, but if you want my emotional take, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going Miami in seven. (laughs) Like I would bet, I would put money. I probably will put money down on Miami just because the odds are so great uh, or so much against them. The, the payout would be like, it would be worth taking a risk on. And you know what I love about Miami is Pat Riley. You know, right. Pat Riley brings LeBron over to Miami. They win a cha- two championships with Dwayne Wade. He leaves and he took that personally. I don't, remember, I don't know if you sure remember, but he went out publicly with that. Yeah. He took that personally because he thought LeBron was going to stay with him. So they regroup. Then they get like, like if you look at the culture of Miami, they are gritty top, top down. Mm-hmm. From Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, you know, then you look at Jimmy Butler, their stud. You look at Bam, like all these guys are underdogs. They're all like, like the kid, uh, the kid from Kentucky, the shooter, um, Tyler Hero. Yeah, Tyler Hero. Like, what the heck? No one expected them to be here. They're the fifth seed. So I love the underdog story. I'm a, I'm an underdog myself, and uh, I like to support them. So that's my emotional take, right? Yeah. So enough. there you go. So, in the next two Olympic Games, how many medals does Canada take home for basketball? Oh, my gosh. Um, how many medals? Yeah. In, like, in two? So, they'll take <laughs> – they should, they should take a medal each time. So, yeah. so, two medals, right? Yeah. Okay. Which color? That is to be determined. I think that we, realistically speaking, the upcoming one, uh, you know, whatever medal we get, great. As long as we get medal. Um, and because the talent is higher than anyone else, you know, mm-hmm. if we got the talent, then what's the problem? Um, but I'll give them the, until the next one to go get gold because beating the States is always going to be a, not just the States, but Spain, Serbia, like basketball is global and they're really, teams are really, really good. Yeah. They're very yeah. structured. Yeah. All right. And last one here, where do the Nets finish in the East next year with Steve Nash at the helm? Ooh, I'll go. They're going to finish uh, top three. So Top three in the East. Top three in the East. There, there you go. So 
thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you, you taking the time. But for those that are interested in either connecting with you or learning more about NPH, NPA, your consulting business, where's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, so like for North Pole Hoops, just on all, all, all our social media handles at North Pole Hoops, feel free to follow. And then my personal account is uh, Tariq, T-A-R-I-Q underscore my last name, S-B-I-E-T. Uh, if you kind of want to see what's going on in the business, more of the business side consultation and you'll get a little bit more of me. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we wish you all the best and uh, yeah, hopefully we're, we're able to stay on some courts for longer than a couple of weeks here and get through the winter and hopefully, you know, get to uh, January, 2021 and get some OBA return to competition here. But uh, who knows, who knows what the future holds there. So for those that are listening, wear your masks, wash your hands and let's, let's keep hooping here. Let's take it day by day. Take it day by day. That's a wrap for another episode of the Dying Sports YouTube page and podcast network. Huge thank you as always goes out to our guest today, Tarek from North Pole Hoops. It was a real pleasure sitting down with him and seeing sort of the growth that they've had in the Canadian basketball landscape over the last decade or so, but also some of the personal growth that he's gone through as well too, with some of his own endeavors and some of the cool stuff that he's got in the works there. So always great to see some uh, local Canadians succeeding on the sports scene there. So as always, if you liked what you saw, make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe. We've got various social media channels. Love to connect with you guys on there. All of them are at Dine Sports, one word. Uh, that's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the big ones there. So make sure you reach out to us there. We've got a monthly contest going on right now as well, too. So still some time to get on that before it uh, shuts down on October 15th there. So got some more phenomenal guests coming up within the next week or two. And uh, I think you guys will really, really enjoy them. Until then, make sure you guys stay safe. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you guys next week.